welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. So for those of you that have been around Awaken for a long time, uh, this is the first time in Awaken history that I have no guitar, a live microphone, and absolutely no supervision whatsoever. However, you can take a deep breath because I am not teaching this morning. So uh, in my years here at Awaken, growing in friendship with Micah, um, he has repeatedly come back to this friendship that he has, a person that he goes to in times of celebration, in times of sorrow, and throughout my friendship with Micah, I've heard this name, this Steve Weens. Who is this Steve Weens that I keep hearing about? Well, Steve pastors a, a wonderful community called Genesis, uh, and they feel like a sort of a sister community uh, to awaken, kindred spirits. And uh, as I've gotten to know Micah over the years, I feel like I've gotten to know Steve by proximity, and I know that he's a person of character, uh, a gifted teacher, um, a wonderful friend of Awaken, even from a distance. And so it is our honor and privilege to have him here with us this morning. Would you welcome Steve Weens? Hey, y'all. Uh, every time I am in this beautiful building, I feel both a sense of awe and I get a little mad because our building looks nothing like this. And so I have to sort of pray a prayer of confession, uh, of, of jealousy, perhaps. Um, I love this place, and I love this church, and I love this church primarily because I love its pastor. Uh, as John Mark said, Micah and I have been besties uh, ever since a trip to Israel in 2013 that we took, and then I got to know his wife, Laura, and I thought, man, I mean, she is even better than Micah. Um, and so, um, and we're just dear friends. We get together as much as we can with the kids and over dinner. And so I want to bring you greetings from Micah. Um, he loves you, and he misses you. And uh, this is a difficult time uh, when your pastor is suspended. Uh, and you got to say that word, actually. Um, it, it, it brings up all kinds of crazy. So I want to invite you to just breathe in. And breathe out. That should have been that long, because that's how long it takes. Um, and so um, I, um, I don't want to say anything cheesy, like, it's going to be fine. I think this is a great opportunity for this wonderful church to live into what you believe. Amen? Okay. I am going to invite Alia up to read the scripture, which is Isaiah 9, 1 through 7. It's just the next week in the narrative lectionary. And so we are in the prophets. Very fun. Uh, would you stand for the reading of the scripture? Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. 
For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Thanks, Alia. And at our little church, because um, we're nerdily liturgical, after the reading of God's word, we say the word of the Lord, and then you say thanks be to God. So let's do that. The word of the Lord. You can have a seat. Can you be nerdily liturgical? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, so in that text, we have themes of darkness and light. We have themes of grief and hope. And then we read about an end to war. That evocative picture of soldiers' boots and the garments soiled with blood being burned. The rod of the oppressor is broken. And there's an announcement of a new king that's coming, a prince of peace. And this is in uh, the midst of a string of really, really bad kings. So the announcement of, of, of a new king, a prince of peace, a mighty God, an everlasting father, and endless peace. And Isaiah is the one that is proclaiming this word. He's a prophet that's in the 8th century, and right about this time is right around 730 B.C. So a quick reminder of what has happened. In about 1000 B.C., King David united the 12 tribes. Jerusalem was built up as the capital city of Israel. The temple was built. And then in about 930, they only had 70 years of relative bliss. Israel is divided into the northern kingdom, which is called Israel, and then, which is 10 tribes, the 10 tribes, and then the remaining two tribes in, in the southern kingdom, also called Judah. And then just about eight years after this text that Isaiah preaches, in 722, the Assyrians are going to invade northern kingdom and crush them, and the 10 tribes are going to be scattered. So the text that you just heard is being given about eight years before that. And then in about 587, the temple will be destroyed and Judah, the southern kingdom, will be conquered by the Babylonians. So as the people are listening to this word, they're looking to the north and they're seeing the Assyrians gather for battle. And they know that they can't stop them. They know that they don't have a big enough army to stop them. And so they're freaking out. And so when Isaiah says, but there will be no gloom, for those who were in anguish. People would have said, hmm. In the former times, we read, he brought contempt, that is, God brought contempt to the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter times, he will make glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. Now, Isaiah is a prophet. So, here's an all-play question. All-play questions, at our little church anyway, 
are designed to hear the voice of the chorus, not just the solo. So you can feel free to answer if you dare. What is a prophet? Yes. Say, say it louder. A messenger of God. Exactly. Yes, you said it so well. And I'm glad he went first because if someone would have said, someone who knows the future, I would have said, man, that's close, but not right. <laughs> Everyone thinks someone that's a prophet predicts the future exactly. Uh, that's actually a medium. <laughs> a prophet is someone who brings, navi is the Hebrew word, which means one who brings a message from God. That's all it means. So that's what Isaiah is. He brings the word of God to the people. Sometimes that's good news. Sometimes it's horrible news. But he gives it anyway. And he does that for about 60 years. Can you imagine being the messenger of God for 60 years? The amount of angry emails that he must have gotten. And we see the guy that ran around naked for three years. Okay, I, I, I don't remember, and none of you do either. So we are a biblical group. So he's talking about the northern kingdom. There will be no gloom, which is about to be gutted by the Assyrians, remember. And the word for gloom is mu'af, which means darkness. But the root word of that is af, which means to fly away. So essentially, he's saying there will be no evaporation. There will be no scattering, even though we all know that there will be a scattering. There will be an exiling of the northern kingdom, and then years later, the southern kingdom as well. In the former times, he brought contempt. But in the latter times, he will make glorious the way of the sea. Now, be the little group of aunts and uncles and cranky grandmas and, sorry, grandmas, I don't know why I said cranky, cranky grandmas, Love, loving grandmas, uh, weird uncles that is hearing that. And, and you're like, when you went to go get your coffee that morning, you heard the rumbling of the army to the north. And you know it's just a matter of time before they come down. So if you're the uncles and the grandmas and the little kids and you're hearing this word and you hear he will make glorious the way of the sea. There will be no gloom. How does that sound? That's an all-play question. Yes. Sounds like a charlatan. Someone that's trying to sell something and convince you that all things are well, even though they aren't. What aren't you thinking about if you're the northern tribe right now? You aren't thinking about a glorious future. That just sounds ridiculous. But the word of the Lord comes to them anyway through Isaiah. And then it gets even better or worse, depending on what you want to look at it. Verse 2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. Now, the word for darkness there is the Hebrew word chosek, and it's paired with the word light, which is or. So we got darkness and light. Now, anyone want to venture a guess where the first time darkness and light are spoken of in the scriptures? Genesis. See, we are biblical people. We know that at least. Genesis 1, I know that one. Darkness and light. 
And so I'll read it to you. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was formless, void. The word there is tohu vavohu. So if you've, ever, if you've ever been in a crazy, disordered, full of chaotic energy place, that's tohu vavohu. And that's what they're in right now. And darkness, chosek, covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. Here's another all-play question. When light was created first, where was it? Say it louder. Light was created. When the light of God of day one was created, it was created in the darkness. But I thought darkness was evil. How could light be in the darkness? Well, in biblical Hebrew, evil is one word, ra'ah. Darkness is another word, chosek. So when you think darkness, don't automatically think evil. In fact, I'm going to argue that darkness is necessary for light to come. Darkness is a necessary part of our lives. And if you say amen to that, you're saying amen because you're remembering times of deep anguish and pain. And you're remembering how you somehow made it through that. The work of a prophet is to live in the dark and give witness to the light. Got any artists in the room? Musical or paint or... Raise those hands high, artists. You're like, I'm a four, the Enneagram. I don't want to... Um, you, the work that you do, you play with light and dark all the time. If it was just light, it would just be treble. I don't know why I did that. That was like bass. But it would be all treble, no bass. Light needs dark. But then light is separated from the darkness. The work of a prophet is to live in the dark and give witness to the light. And not in some cheesy Kirk Cameron kind of way. Can I say that here? Sorry. <laughs> I feel like that fell like a really lead balloon. Kirk, oh my. <laughs> in a way that the dark is really dark. One of my favorite singer-songwriters, David Wilcox, he writes a song, and it starts like this. If, if someone wrote a play just to glorify what's stronger than hate, would he not arrange the stage to look as if the hero came too late? Beautiful song. The work of a prophet is to live in the dark and give witness to the light. Here's an all-play question. What's it like to live in the dark? And I don't mean evil. I mean live in the dark. What's it like? Hard to see. Thank you. In the back. Loneliness, is that what you said? Gloominess, yes. What else? Confusion. 
Fear? It's tiring. One of my friends, her name's Deva, she preached for the first time ever at Genesis last week. And she talked about grief. She talked about the grief of losing her father when she was 20, he died, and then losing a baby through miscarriage. And six months after, she told her husband, Charlie, she said, um, I don't think I'm ever going to be happy again. And she was 30 at the time. And so she was doing the math. Like she goes, I mean, according to the actuarial tables, I have 50 years left. That's going to be a long 50 years. The work of a prophet is to live in the dark and give witness to the light. So I have a friend named Jeremy Courtney. He uh, and his wife Jessica are from Texas, y'all. And in 2006, right after the second Gulf War started, well, a few years after it started, and we were he hearing all this language about preemptive strike. You know, remember that? The shock and awe, preemptive strike. So they started an, an organization based in Iraq. They moved their little family to Iraq and started an organization called Preemptive Love. And they help kids that are refugees, and they do all kinds of amazing work. And he was interviewed in the Washington Post, and this is what he said about that work, about what it's like to live in the dark and give witness to the light. I have a confession, he said, I'm afraid. I live in Iraq with my family, working at the headwaters of the Syrian and Iraqi refugee crisis, moving among Sunni jihadist sniper fire, suicide bombers, sleeper cells, and Iranian-backed militia. I've received death threats, had mobs incited against me. I've had friends kidnapped and killed by Sunnis and Shia, Arabs and Kurds, and I'm afraid. Even on the ground here in Iraq, I hear the zero-sum conversation in the U.S. right now. Be wise, close the borders, protect our own on the one hand, or be loving, welcome refugees, stop being afraid on the other hand. Well, if you're not afraid, you're either braver than me or significantly less informed. Terrorism, kidnappings, and beheadings are not political talking points for us. I often think first about my American colleagues and what might happen to us and our families if we are captured or killed. Will someone care for my wife, Jessica, and our kids if I'm killed? Will I care for my colleagues' families if they don't make it home alive? So they live in Iraq. And every day, they're in the dark and they're giving witness to the light. And that's an extreme example. Most of us are not going to move to Iraq. But Sinead Barry Lucas, she spoke last week, didn't she? She preached last week? You guys like Sinead? Oh my goodness. I, I saw kind of a yeah, but no. I mean, she's so, she's so energetic about what she believes. There are children dying around the world simply because they don't have clean water. And she's like, uh-uh, not having it. And if you, like, don't go out to coffee with Sinead unless you want to run a marathon. Because <laughs> she will talk you into it. She feels like it's her unique call from God to help people like us honestly suffer relatively speaking. Although I did just, when I was driving down here and I crossed Summit Avenue in Lexington, I remembered the pain 
of Summit and Lexington. Um, can I get any men, marathoners? No one? No one? Oh. So that clean water can be brought. Um, your pastor, Micah, did you know he's a prophet? You, you know that, right? He actually has the name of a prophet. Sometimes I call him prophet. Hey, prophet, when I text him. Mike and I have gathered together about once a month for years to get in each other's life and ask each other questions and love each other well. And I'll never forget one time sitting in a scripture study with Rabbi Allen and Laura and my wife Mary and Micah and some others. And um, Micah, we were asking, we were asked the question, what do you think it is that you bring? And Micah said, you know, I think I help people walk through thresholds. And my wife Mary said, yes, it's like you you stand at the doorway and you open it up for people and you help them walk through, like from darkness to light. You guys know that's what he does, right? Micah the prophet. Verses 6 and 7 of Isaiah 9, we read this. For a child has been born to us. Now we're in Advent all of a sudden. A son is given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders. And he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually. And there shall be an endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. Remember when this is being preached. When there's endless war. He will establish and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. And then he writes, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So a king is coming who is himself a prophet, Jesus that is. He will live in the dark. He'll give witness to the light. He himself will be the light. And after he comes, we read from Isaiah, there will be no darkness at all. So the word for zeal in the Hebrew is kenah. And it's hard to translate, but it really means the jealousy of a lover. So Song of Songs, chapter 8, verse 6. Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for, which basically means tattoo me on your arm. For our love is strong as death. Passion, which means zeal, same exact word, fierce as the grave. It flashes, its flashes are flashes of fire, a raging flame. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can floods drown it. If one offered for love all the wealth of one's house, it would be utterly scorned. So sometimes I feel like when we say love is the answer, like people yawn, like there's love. The pathetic, syrupy, sweet sentimentality of love. But according to the scriptures, love is a raging flame. Many waters cannot quench love. Neither can floods drown it. It's the most powerful force in the universe. It's also the most vulnerable. Amen? That's why it's the most powerful. In Zechariah 8, we read this same word for zeal. The word of the Lord of hosts came to me, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I am jealous, same word for zeal, I am jealous for Zion with great jealousy, and I am jealous for her with great wrath. Thus says the Lord, I will return to Zion. I will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, which is destroyed. 
Jerusalem shall be called the faithful city, and the mountain of the Lord of hosts shall be called the holy mountain. Thus says the Lord of hosts, old men and old women shall again sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each with a staff in hand because of their great age. And the streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in its streets. Now here's an all play. To whom is that good news? Everybody. Yes. Yes. Who specifically? There will be, again, there will be old men and women sitting there playing dice and sipping their tea because all those old men and women are gone. They've died. They've been driven out. There's no kids playing in the streets. There's no sound of kids' laughter. Because of my zeal, God says, I will restore what's been lost. So here's the question, awakened community. I want you to hear this as a community and as individuals. What are you jealous for? The Lord, Lord, amen. What makes you angry? What wrong that you see needs to be made right? What can't you stop thinking about? What keeps you up at night? If you're an artist, what can't you stop writing about or painting on or performing? And could you consider just for a minute that you are a prophet, that your role is to live in the dark and give witness to the light. We can be as honest as we can be and more about how hard the dark is while giving witness to the light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But he also said something else about the light of the world. What did he say? He said, I'm the light of the world. He also said, amen, thank you. You are the light of the world. I mean, that's crazy that we share in something that Jesus says about him. Because we are prophets living in the dark, called to give witness to the light. We are. That's our role in life. What is wrong that needs to be made right And how has God planted maybe a seed of redemption and resurrection and restoration in your soul so you can bring all your creativity, all your passion, all your energy to bear? Don't have coffee with Sinead because it'll be marathon time for you because she's got this dialed in. The work of a prophet is to live in the dark and give witness to the light. So use your words, poets, writers, singers. Get your hands dirty, artists. Let the light dance on the shadow. Musicians, let your music tell the story of darkness and light. 
let your heart break wide open and pay the price, prophets, and let justice roll down like rain. What are you jealous for? And when will you hear the whisper of God saying, you, my friend, are a prophet, which simply means one who brings, one who brings the message of God, one who lives in the dark and gives witness to the light. Let's pray together. God, and by some, by some crazy act of your grace and will, you have decided to limit yourself by inviting us to partner with you in the restoration of all things. And so to you, we say yes. We say yes to restoration. We say yes to justice. We say yes to the rod of oppression being broken. We say yes to your authority. We say yes to endless peace. And we say yes to the thing that you're asking us to bring. We say yes to paying the price. We say yes to being fueled by your grace and mercy and, and your spirit. We say yes to partnering with you in the restoration of all things. Now come, Holy Spirit, in this moment of silence and speak to us, your servants. We're eager to listen, eager to hear. And we thank you for your grace. Come, Holy Spirit, speak to us now.
So deep breath in, let it out. Jesus, the prophet who lived in the dark and who himself was the light. I want to invite you to stand for the benediction if you're able. The God, and God is able to make all grace abound to you 
so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you may abound in every good work. Grace and peace, my brothers and sisters. You're dismissed. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awaken Community or on Twitter at Awaken Community. See you next time.